Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Today's interview is one I did with graphic novel writer Joe Siraki. He's been on the podcast before um, about his first graphic novel, A Letter to Joe. He is back again with Ghosts of Science Past. This was delightful, and I say that as someone who is not at all into science and, like, may have failed. Close close to failing some of our science classes in high school. Um, but Ghost of Science Past is, is probably something I would have needed when I was in high school. It's about a teenager who has to pass a final, biology final, and um, the night before, while studying, he is visited, like, Christmas Carol style by some some famous scientists and it was so much fun to read i loved it i loved it and i love talking to joe about it so i'm really excited for all of you to listen to this interview and and read ghosts of science past yourself it was entertaining and educational so you know just saying even if you are not into science like i'm not into science you you will enjoy this so, if you want to get a hold of the podcast, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. You can email us at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. You know, what are you reading? Let us know how your science, your, wow, your science, your summer. Let us know how your summer is going. Um, do you still have those dreams, you know, where in your dream you, like, forgot to drop, say, that science class and you're going to fail? Because I still have those. Those are not fun. I'm 40. Can we stop? Anyway. That's all I got for you for this intro today, and I hope you enjoy this interview on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Thanks for coming on the podcast to talk with me, Joe. Thanks for having me, Joe. So can you start by giving our listeners a brief introduction to Ghosts of Science Past? Sure. Um, a little brief side note here. I will mention that this is actually the very first time I've actually like talked about the book with somebody. So <laughs> I haven't quite uh, gotten this whole, you know, introduction thing yeah. down to a, uh, a science. science. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, so bear with me here. Um, the story is about Trevor. Trevor is a high school student. Uh, he's in biology. Um, and he once had a very natural curiosity about science and learning. Um, but somewhere along the lines in the book, kind of goes into this a little bit, he lost that. Um, and now it's worrying his parents, it's worrying his teachers. Um, and he's got, a, he's got a biology quiz coming up. And you know, he doesn't really seem to care about it very much. And as he gets a, he gets a call home from his teacher and his parents, you know, they're, they're kind of hammering him a little bit at home. 
And uh, that night, uh, after he gets his video games taken away, he's told you better study for this quiz, Charles Darwin's ghost pops up. Um, and this is the beginning of a Christmas Carol style journey through science. Um, he learns about various topics throughout the book, including evolution, atomic theory, Mendelian inheritance. Um, and he gets visited by some of the greatest scientists in history. Um, you got English naturalist Charles Darwin, which is probably uh, the one scientist that readers probably most familiar with. There's physicist and chemist Marie Curie. There's particle and experimental physicist Chun Sheng Wu. There's biologists turned Augustinian friar and abbot Gregor Mendel. And then there's also biologist and educator Ernest Everett Just. Um, the book also includes some uh, quote unquote extra credit uh, material at the end where you get to like, meet the ghosts, uh, reviews some of the scientific uh, topics from the story. Um, and then you also get a little bit of additional information about each of those scientists' life. I am not a sciencey person whatsoever. Um, science was not my favorite subject in school, but I had so much fun reading this. I was like, this is actually very That's informative. <laughs> I'm like, I've learned things. <laughs> um, so I'm sort of, you know, you are a science teacher outside of, right. of your writing. Um, and so I'm, I'm just kind of curious, like where the whole idea for this came from and, and presenting it in this graphic novel format. Yeah, so this is, um, this is my second graphic novel. Um, my first one was A Letter to Joe uh, from Top Shelf. Um, and after that one, um, I kind of proved to myself that I could kind of, I could do this. I could write a graphic novel. I could get it out there, um, get it published. Um, and prior to this, I mean, I've always been a big comics fan. Um, I've always wanted some sort of comic or graphic novel that I could somehow integrate into my own science classes. And I have been looking for years and years and years for something that would be perfect to kind of like um, go along with the text and the topics that we were learning about in class. But searches I have, I found things that I've liked, but it just never quite fit for the class. So finally, after, you know, um, having written the previous graphic novel, I said, well, why don't I give this a shot? Why don't I give this a try? Um, so I came up with the idea. Um, uh, I reached out to Jesse Lonergan, uh, the artist uh, of this book, and he thought it was a great idea. So um, we put together uh, a short pitch um, and uh, pitched it to humanoids and they liked the idea as well. And from there, we're kind of off and running. Um, the book really helps uh, students to visualize uh, a lot of topics that I personally chose uh, that I find that my students often have difficulty with. Um, but at the same time, Jesse and I, from the onset, we wanted to also make sure that it was fun, it was engaging, um, that there was a lot of humor involved. So, you know, kind of like you said, you know, you, you weren't necessarily a big science kind of person, but at the same time, you know, you learned a lot without 
maybe necessarily like trying. It kind of guided you through the process there and hopefully an enjoyable way. It was, it was, it was enjoyable. Um, the visualization was definitely helpful with some of the things that you're talking about that come up. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned the humor because it is very funny. And some of it is, there's, there's an illustration, you know, Sch Schrodinger is mentioned and there's a cat behind him. And <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. That's, mm-hmm. And, um, yep. Schrodinger's <laughs> cat. Yeah. We, uh, that, that was, uh, Jesse's idea. Um, I mentioned, you know, putting Schrodinger in there, um, as they were talking a little bit about like atomic orbitals and things like that. And there was a brief discussion of, um, well, should that cat be, you know, deceased or should it be right. a right. Maybe there should be one on each shoulder. Um, uh, but, but given that this is kind of an all ages book, uh, you know, we decided to keep the cat in the, um, live realm for that particular picture. Yeah. And he does come <laughs> so, up later as well. Yeah. Um, so then it sounds like you worked pretty closely with the, the artist to kind of develop this story. What was that relationship like? Well, uh, it was, it was fantastic. Jesse's artistic style, uh, style is, was absolutely integral uh, to telling this story. I mean, comics, graphic novels, it's a graphic medium, right? So really the reader is absorbing everything through the visuals and uh, Jesse's, Jesse's style, um, it's incredible. Um, I first uh, encountered his work um, through a book called uh, Hydra uh, that he self-published through Image Comics, and um, he actually got a uh, Eisner nomination for th for that book. He completely tells the story graphically, um, so his his sense of visual storytelling is uh, really incredible, and I think that that really shows itself in this book as well. Um, you know, normally uh, artists really don't want to go, I would say past like nine panels per page, but Jesse, Jesse has, he would stretch it so much further. Um, you know, I would write in the script, like maybe like a six panel page. And then he would, he would come back with like 12, 16 panels um, just, just to get all the, the storytelling elements into that. So uh, it was really incredible working with an artist um, of his caliber. He did an amazing job in this book. Um, yeah, now that you mentioned, you know, you, you said there's a script and the panels and suggestions. Um, I imagine that writing a graphic novel obviously would be very different than writing just a straight text, you know, prose novel. Um, sure. So can you walk listeners through a little bit of what like how the process of actually writing a graphic novel works? Yeah, so um, so basically, um, you know, first, I mean, I'm, I must have came up with the, the general idea for this uh, at least a couple of years ago. Um, and then uh, once I had the general idea and um, the message that I wanted to uh, send across uh, with the book, um, then it came to actually um, plotting it out with the outline um, loosely uh, using, um, of course, Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol as uh, the source material for this. Um, and then from there, scripting. And when, when you're scripting uh, a comic, you're essentially 
the, the writer is speaking in two voices. You're uh, speaking to the artist directly uh, in terms of the panel descriptions, what um, the reader's actually seen on the page. And then you're also speaking to the reader directly, which is uh, the captions, the dialogue, um, what the actual reader is going to be reading on, on the page. So um, you, get, you got this, these kind of two voices um, that, that you're writing uh, into the scripts. Uh, when you're writing that, um, and then then from there, it's it's very it's very collaborative. Um, you know, Jesse takes that. We have discussions um, in terms of like what are we trying to convey um, visually here? Um, how how do we do that? Um, and there's that that's really what I, what I like um, about comics uh, and the medium is the collaborative aspect to it. I, I can't really speak to writing prose. I've never um, actually written a novel like that. Um, but it, in, in, in prose and in text, and you're, you're, you just have that one writer's voice. Um, whereas in comics, it's really multiple people coming together um, in order to tell the story. And it, it wasn't even just Jesse and I, uh, there was uh, Troy Pateri, uh, our letterer, um, his lettering really helps to guide the reader along, but, um, also there is stylistic choices there as well that help accentuate a lot of the emotion on the pages, uh, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a really, I don't know, involved process, interesting process. Um, I, I, I generally feel that like the actual writing of the script itself, that's maybe, I don't know, a quarter of the, of the work. And from there, it's, it's just the, the rest is collaboration, emailing back and forth um, and, and really interpreting it from there. I, I can see how the, the collaboration would be a big part. And um, it, it, it definitely comes across in the, the story itself because you have um, these wonderful uh, uh, pictures are like, like illustrations, like I'm not sure the right phrase. And then your words, and then, yeah, the lettering with like certain words um, folded to kind of emphasize things. And there's a lot of movement in the pictures and the story. It's just, right. it's a really great way of, of telling this story in a very um, different way that I could see would be maybe uh, more, more engaging and accessible than just trying to read about these things in a textbook. Yeah, I think the thing is people want to separate art and science. Like they're the, these polar opposites. When in fact, I think, I think those two subjects are actually really intertwined, you know, um, you know, students dream, they play, uh, they want to explore their creativity. I think science and art does both those things. So, you know, bringing science through a comic, I think it's perfect. For sure. So since you wrote this um, sort of in mind for your something you could use in your science classes that you teach, I'm imagining that you were like, you know, very intentional with the scientists that you featured. But I'm curious if there were any scientists that um, were not included that you maybe thought about mentioning or featuring as one of the kind of ghosts that comes back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so first, what I did was I, I, I chose the topics first. Um, 
And again, those topics were kind of based off of things that I know my students tend to struggle with. Um, and then from the topics, uh, I then tried to pick uh, representative scientists that were really like experts in those fields that could, that could bring that topic to life for the students. Um, now that said, um, originally, um, actually, I, for, uh, for example, uh, I mentioned that Marie Curie is a scientist. Um, um, I actually originally had chosen Neil Bohr's um, and uh, around, around the time of the pitch, um, uh, I ended up reaching out to uh, a uh, comics editor by the name of Jasmine Walls. Um, and she gave some editorial feedback on the pitch um, uh, as well as some other consulting on it. And uh, one of the pieces of feedback that she had given was, well, why not, why not use some scientists that maybe um, students and Trevor wouldn't have been as familiar with. Um, and, you know, that's kind of where um, Curie and Wu um, and Just uh, came about using some of these perhaps lesser known scientists, but still um, legends in each of their respective fields. Um, so I thought that was kind of a neat way to um, not, not only bring these, these topics to life for the students, but um, also get some some scientists, scientists in the text that they might not normally see in a regular textbook. For sure. And you mentioned that there's this section at the end about um, extra credit, which gives you more information about the scientists and the right. quiz. There's quizzes about the different subjects, which I, I sort of love. Um, and I'm assuming these are the quizzes you came up with yourself then to, to include the questions and the answers. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I actually, I was a little overambitious in that the editor, our, our editor, Jake Thomas, um, had to cut that down uh, quite a bit. Um, as I had written a lot, I'm used to writing, you know, longer form quizzes and tests. So I, I had a lot with, with, with that. But um, what, what I think maybe makes it a little bit more interesting um, than like a normal quiz or test is it's all very conversational and first person. Um, I think it feels less like being lectured to, but rather engaging in like a conversation of sorts with each of those uh, scientists. Um, and yeah, and then they, they kind of, um, they uh, encourage the reader to answer the questions and by getting the questions right, well, then they get to learn a little bit more about each of the scientists as well. I know you're like sneaking some. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, well, whiz at the end. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> I some I tried, I know this sounds ridiculous, but I try to even make the quizzes somewhat fun, you know, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times in, in classes, students can be afraid to ask questions. They're afraid of sounding silly or stupid or whatever. But um, in this book, I think the student kind of gets to engage um, in, in a manner of speaking with a line of questions with the scientists and then, and then learn in that way. Um, you know, I don't, I'm a science teacher. I don't have any like formal training in writing, but I've, I've read a lot of um, on my own about graphic storytelling and visual narrative. Um, there's, there's a book by Will Eisner. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Will Eisner. 
he's um he's big for like the spirits um contract with god you ever heard of him or any of this yeah okay so he says um in texts acquisition requires literacy which involves thought um participation recall the readers are converting words into imagery but in comics the acquisition is less demanding than text because you have that imagery provided to you so the storytelling is all about the arrangement of the text and the image but um by doing that then the reader is kind of expected to participate um they're reading the imagery and then required uh to kind of provide like sounds and support to that image. So they're, they're not so much a spectator, they're participant. Um, and I kind of wanted to just carry that, that kind of like framework of thinking throughout the story that the student was participating in the lessons along with Trevor. For sure. I'm, I'm actually wondering, um, do your students, do they know that you've been working on this or that it's coming out? Uh, not this particular one. I mean, I know, I know some of my students have discovered that I had, um, written a previous graphic novel, but it's not something I, I really generally talk about a lot in the classroom. Like, that's fair. No, I don't say that. Um, but that said, um, next year I do, uh, once this comes out, plan on having a classroom set and integrating this into, into my classroom. You know, I find that, students generally have a natural curiosity about science, but um, I teach biology. Biology is primarily a freshman level class. And there's some sophomores and juniors, seniors that take a little bit later, but it's, it's mostly freshmen. And unfortunately, I feel like when we get into some of those more quote unquote serious topics, um, they feel maybe a little less enthusiastic about it. Uh, maybe it feels a little detached from their life experiences when you're talking about these more complex topics. Um, so my hope is that when we start to integrate this into the classroom as well, this is going to really help bring the science to them. Um, yeah, no, I can see how, again, it's just these, the, you know, I think Trevor is somebody that a lot of the students will probably relate to if um, even, you know, in the stories you said that when he was younger, he was into science and then sort of lost that passion and that's where he is now. So whether that's where the student is, or even if it was someone like me who just never really got into science and struggled in my science classes from disinterest, I, and I think it was just reading textbooks was not working for my brain, but I feel sure. something like this again, you have that visual component with a story and a character that you can relate to. Um, I can see how I think it would, it would do hopefully very well in your classrooms. I mean, and that's, that's really what it's all about, right? It's just about accessibility. Um, and this, this, this book, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's an all, it's an all ages book. Um, and, and it's perhaps maybe geared a little bit towards that, but you know, science shouldn't be exclusive. It should be accessible to anyone, you know, anyone who has a desire to learn it. So um, if this helps make some of these topics a little bit more accessible, then uh, I think I think Jesse and I did our jobs. I think you did too. Um, I guess, you know, are there 
any future plans for maybe other science um, focused graphic novels for you? I'd be lying if I said that I, I haven't thought about it a little bit. Um, I don't know if it would be Trevor. I don't know if his story has, has room for that, but you know, there's plenty of other topics in science that I think, I think this type of format could definitely work for. So I don't know, maybe. I've definitely seen it in um, other books and even like children's book picture books that are science focused and sort of taking these same kind of topics and putting pictures to them. And of course, in a picture, like in a picture book for little children, it's like the most basic understanding of it. But I, I think there is definitely um, a change happening in both publishing and book creation and then also in the classroom of really understanding different learning styles that students have and that these other formats and presentations of the information can only benefit more students and help them learn more. Definitely. Totally agree. What do you hope readers take away from reading Ghosts of Science Past? Well, this, all right. So, I mean, I, I, th I think we pretty well discussed the, the overall goal of the book, but if, if I might, uh, a uh, perhaps shameless plug. Um, are you familiar with um, Mayim uh, Bielik? I am, yes, of the course. Big Bang Theory Jeopardy. She's also yes. a neuroscientist, by the way, someone much smarter than myself. Um, she, she had the most lovely thing to say, um, about our book. And, um, I think she honestly put it better than I ever could. She said, ghosts of science past filled me with so much joy. There is no more beautiful and profound way to learn about evolution, atomic physics, and the myriad of beauty of the universe than with the greatest scientific minds of the past as your guide and a graphic novel. Uh, she said, I recommend Ghosts of Science Past to the young and young at heart alike who dare to explore the world around them and who seek to acquire knowledge that brings them the joy only science can bring. There's no way I could say better than that. That's exactly <laughs> what I hope that this book does. That is quite an endorsement. I love it. Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to chat with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.